Volunteer Firefighters Association President Michael Holton says bullying within the New South Wales RFS was at, quote, catastrophic. He says, I am deeply concerned about the welfare of many volunteer firefighters. Mr Holton's on the line and I thank him for his time. Good evening, Mick. How are you? Oh, good, thank you, Grant. Uh, were you surprised at the findings of the inquiry? Not at all. Um, we put a big effort into uh, making submissions and we certainly encouraged uh, people that we were dealing with to do the same. Some were given in confidence. But we're very pleased with the way the Upper House ran that inquiry. Yeah, because the, the public, and, and please, I'm, I'm on your side, but the public look on, you know, the volunteer firefighters, the um, paramedics, etc. And I don't know, we, we just think of, you know, well-oiled um, volunteer machines. We, we, we don't think that uh, all of these emotional issues are going on behind the scenes or behind the lines, as it were. Mm. Well, look... Um I mean, I can only really speak uh, on the services I've been directly involved with. Sure, sure. I was a uh, firefighter with Fire Rescue New South Wales for 22 years in Sydney. Uh, later became associated with the um, uh, Rural Fire Service, uh, both as staff and I'm now a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, my involvement with the uh, Volunteer Firefighters Association uh, put me in a position where I was able to uh, help volunteers um, uh, with a lot of these uh, you know, issues where they're being bullied. What we've seen is a bit of a trend um, in the service where people, um, uh, you know, from head office, from the boys club, as, as it has been reported yeah, as, yeah. Um, you know, we tend to uh, uh, build this uh, bureaucracy and, uh, and all the people uh, out there that are just trying to get the job done uh, often get pushed aside, um, and that's the thing we've seen. We've seen some horrible cases, and cases where uh, we've actually um, uh, we've actually spent some of our association funding on helping a poor fellow who was um, being wrongly accused. And it's I can't talk much about it because it's in the courts right now. Sure, yeah. I know we've spent uh, uh, you know, pretty close to sixty thousand on this one particular legal battle for this poor fellow who was uh, unable to obtain any support from the service. And, and look, uh, I will say that it's not all bad. There are good people in the Rural Fire Service. It is a fantastic organisation. And most of the people who, uh, who are just there putting the wet stuff on the red stuff, as we say, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of what badge they wear, are generally doing a great job. And I say to people, there's small little pockets of trouble here and there, but generally speaking, it's pretty good. Most of the cultural changes need to come from the top, and the, interestingly, uh, it even links back to um, the Kilty report, which yep, yep. came out recently. And uh, Mr Kilty uh, put in his report that, um, uh, you know, the commissions are getting on following and it's middle management. Well, we, we claim that was... Uh, a terrible um, slur. Uh, well, it's a terrible thing to for a for a commissioner to blame middle management. For goodness' sakes, yeah. uh, that's that's terrible. Um, uh, you know, tr nothing short of uh, treachery in my mind. Uh, any sort of a decent leader would uh, accept that there are problems and and try and resolve those problems. So we're hoping that this um, upper house inquiry and the recommendations that were made we've highlighted a few key ones that we're interested in in particular 
but uh, we're hoping that that might help to change the um, the culture. The culture, yes. Yeah, just before we look at the report, Mick, uh, and you mentioned how there are many, in fact, countless um, good men and women involved in the service, and uh, I must admit I'm humbled uh, right through bushfire season, not just bushfire season, but uh, floods, road accidents. Uh, very often, you know, your colleagues are called out, and uh, it's it's not uncommon Um you know, the, the people get a call on such and such a day during the week and there's a fire somewhere, they pack their uh, kit bag and off they go. They may not come home for 10, 15 days. So they, they put their life on hold to go and make sure that other people's lives are safe. It, it's incredibly selfless work they do, isn't it? Absolutely. And and look, I have to say that uh, in all of the media hype that's going on, the, um, you know, the uh, turf war... Um, debacle that's been going on when i've been talking to a range of groups including the fire brigade employees union and 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 most everyone really recognizes the fact that we need these volunteers mm. um you know the um and, and certainly in this um uh upper house uh, the recommendations in this upper house inquiry um have, have suggested that uh you know we need to probably um uh, we need to have systems put in place to try and help those people to manage those those issues. And like we've tried to tie again into that connection with the um, the guilty report, where they recommended a single um, response uh, protocol. In, anything like this, like a single call uh, call and dispatch centre, I'm certainly uh, in favour of that. I, Anything we can do... Well, when, when, when you say you're in favour, you, you think the service isn't too big as one unit? Wouldn't it be better, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, wouldn't it be better to have an urban and a rural uh, service and, and the rural service be headquartered in a rural area, you know, probably Dubbo or, or places like that? 100%. And, and, and that's what we've been advocating. But I believe that this ties in nicely um, with... Uh, with a, a future for both our volunteers right through to our paid firefighters is we need to get the whole system coordinated and uh, it has been suggested or oh, we don't want to go down the path of Victoria but I believe if we get in on the ground floor we can avoid those dramas uh, look I have to say there's some unusual things that I've noticed um, some of the some of the troublemakers the biggest troublemakers when it comes to uh, you know, bullying, whether it be inter-service or within the one service, tends to be those that may have once started out as a volunteer and then they become staff or then they become a paid firefighter. Sometimes they're the biggest troublemakers. Um, and I, I, I struggle with that. I don't know how that works, to be honest. So they start acting like, my words, not yours, they start acting like little Hitlers, do they? They, they, they feel they're all important. I, I have definitely seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do believe that we, we can find a way forward. We've certainly strongly urged the uh, New South Wales government to reconsider the relocation of the New South Wales Rural Fire Service headquarters to a regional centre. Uh, Dubbo is the one that uh, of choice in, that, that I see. And uh, one of the things we believe that will do is to give our volunteers um, a bit of focus certainly with the uh, regional and, and rural aspects of their job. Uh, down the track, if we head down a single fire service model, it'd be really easy to have one boss 
one boss looking after all fire um, uh, services, or they may not be individual services, then we might all be wearing the same badge. But regardless of what you call it, we need one boss. They can't have two bosses. That's that's what caused the problems that were reported on in the Kilty report. Um, I think we need to set up career pathways too, for, for the, particularly the youngsters who come through as a volunteer and they may want to make a career out of firefighting. Well, let's... Let's make that possible for them. Let's let's open the door to uh, to that sort of a path for those guys. Yeah, are you finding that the government is generally positive in in your request, or, or are they proven to be a negative government? Uh, yeah, I'd have to say proven to be a negative government. Right. Yeah. We we have been uh, campaigning for a long time to have discussions and get get things sorted. We want it to be amicable for all parties. Um, you know, everything from how, uh, you know, even looking after staff, uh, you know, who would have to be uprooted and, and relocate. Uh, we need to make it work for them. We have to we have to think about people that hold positions now. Even, uh, I know, the uh, Fire Brigade Employees Union are worried about if we go down the path of a, of a single uh, call and dispatch centre that, oh, you know, our firefighters will lose... Um, you know, might be losing their jobs or handing over control, but that doesn't have to be how it goes. Now, we, I think it's important to have operational people on the end of the radio dealing with firefighters on the other end of the radio. We need SES operational people on the radio talking to SES operations. So it doesn't matter whether we call it a civilian um, call and dispatch centre, it will still need operational people representing the various disciplines out there. So I think it can work, and I think uh, the government needs to have a good, hard look at this. I think major reform is what is required here. Yes, that's why, and now I'm not a fireman, I bow to your expertise, but that's why I think having an urban plus a rural headquarters makes sense because after all uh in the cities generally fires are in buildings or homes or what have you in rural areas sure homes and properties get burnt but also uh you know you need somebody who's able to appreciate that the fire might be across 20 30 40 kilometers of um inaccessible scrubland but it's you know potentially very dangerous well that's true but unfortunately the rfs won't let go of areas as they grow so that's another little problem that creates some of these issues uh into into service issues is that uh sydney was once a lot smaller than it is now and as it as it grows um the government has failed to ever recognize a trigger point or a point where okay when this area grows to that size it's probably time to put a fire station in mm -hmm, yeah. uh, and have full-time people well that gets the volunteers offside uh, and I can understand that to some degree, but the government has to make a decision that that the uh, you know the growth of an area is such that it needs to change. Uh, but if we were to have that single fire service structure, uh, that may open the pathway for people to step up from a volunteer position to a retained position, uh, to a part-time firefighter position, or uh, or full-time firefighter. So. I think that um, it needs to be very sensibly managed, but we do see uh, the hierarchy 
and, and there's good and bad in all services, but we definitely see the hierarchy in the rural fire service not wanting to give any ground when it comes to um, boundaries. Uh, certainly the guilty reports address that issue. And um, and that uh, creates a lot of problems, in uh, particularly in, in built-up urban areas. Yeah, so, so you might have somebody who is a very skilled firefighter and he or she may have you know, been with the service for quite a long while and, and there's no questioning that they're very good uh, you know, in, in a crisis. But say, say they're based at, oh, I don't know, Ashfield in Sydney. It's, it's, it's the only fire station that came to mind. Um, so they're surrounded by high-rise and um, uh, retail and, and things like that. Uh, it's totally different, isn't it, to somebody who's serving uh, with a rural service at, say, Scone in the Hutter Valley or, or, or Singleton, for argument's sake, where uh, you haven't got the high-rise. You, you know, it's a totally different terrain. Absolutely. And we have to respect that. I mean, we've got everything from, uh, you know, when we talk about the volunteer ranks, we've got... Um, Volunteers who are, are quite busy, yep. and uh, and they're dedicating a lot of their time to this. And so, in some ways, I think probably even too much. But maybe they love it, and good luck to them. And and, and their service is appreciated. Uh, to the other spectrum, where we have a, a farmer who who um, puts his hand up to or her hand up to help with uh, firefighting, uh, does uh, the basic requirements to you know for in terms of training, and and rocks up and and puts the fire out and wants to shoot through and get back to marking lambs or yep, yep. doing whatever they're doing. So we have to make sure that we tailor things to suit those people as well. And unfortunately, we've got a, a system now whereby the Royal Fire Service is happy to take on whatever they can. They're putting their hand up saying, oh, yes, we'll do this. Oh, yeah, oh, our people can do that. And they often do that without consultation with a volunteer. And the volunteers, we, we're getting a lot of feedback from volunteers go, you know, we don't want to do rescue. Yeah. Some do, some don't. But the service will happy take, happily take on uh, new, more and more things and grow its empire uh, yeah, without yeah. thinking about its grassroots. Yeah, Mick, talking of grass, now, when I was younger, and it wasn't uncommon that there would be um, hazard reduction and you know the community got used to it in fact that they felt safe that it was going on and uh, we didn't seem to have the uh, the horrific bushfires that we tend to get these days um, because we broadcast in both rural and regional areas a lot of people from properties uh, they get quite concerned in uh, bushfire season particularly if their property uh, boundary is up against a national park because there's no hazard reduction in the national parks and as you'd be aware uh, just about every one of those is a real um, fire threat. Is it time we went back to organised hazard reduction and also open up some of those national parks to take away some, some of that um, grass and, and uh, fuel on the forest floor? Well, um, I've got some good strong uh, opinion on, on that I, I do talk to a lot of farmers, yep. and um, the thing about the national parks, uh, I think um, the management of, of parks is a little bit uh, bit ordinary. Yep. Um, I think uh, if you have to think about our Indigenous um, our brothers and sisters who... Uh, who used to regularly burn. That's right. They, they, they looked after the joint for 40-odd thousand years, yep. And, yep. and here we come along in 200 and we've, uh, we've, we've stuffed it up. We think we know it all. That's right. And, and look... Um, 
I have been talking to um, some Indigenous land management experts and they talk about cultural burning and uh, cool burns. And I think as a fire service, uh, or even fire services, I could probably have a go at uh, both services here, uh, t when they do hazard reduction, tend to knock it over too quick. And uh, I think we're giving hazard reduction a bad name by getting the, getting the show too hot. Mm. Yeah, so, see, I, only last night on this program we were talking uh, on a different issue, but the um, horrific fire out of the Kosciuszko National Park at the beginning of this, uh, or the turn of the century, uh, came up now, as we all know. That had been locked up as a national park. Uh, the grass had um, covered over the, the trails. When lightning strike started that fire, it, it could have been put out, but uh, the volunteers uh, couldn't get in. It um, exploded over a few days and, as we know, um, came down across um, the ACT border and totally destroyed over 400 homes and a loss of life there. Now, you know, that's a good example where those grasses should have been taken out. They're up to 11 foot high, uh, the grass in the Kosciuszko at that stage. Hmm. Well, um, there's some good videos uh, online that people can uh, do a bit of a search for. Um, where um, cultural, a lot of good cultural burning uh, stuff on there. And there were some examples of um, how uh, some cultural burns that were done previous to the Tathra fire. Yeah. Um, and there was no mention of this uh, by any of the um, reports or um, reviews. And uh, those areas um, were, uh, were not damaged by that fire. Yeah, that's right. And there's some great video there. But look... Uh, I think um, we definitely have to rethink how we're managing land. Uh, we've got a lot to learn in terms of, um, you know, learning from uh, uh, Aboriginal land management people. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that we burn every damn thing. We, we need to oh, be no, no, no one's saying that, but people are saying, you know, let's be sensible and mitigate uh, the fire risk. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and even with that Tathra fire... Um, uh, you know, uh, I know the Rural Fire Service Commission was getting on there and, and banging on about it being, uh, you know, the worst conditions, and it wasn't, uh, and it wasn't a good day. I'll, I'll grant him that, but uh, the biggest problem of the day was uh, fuel and, and wind, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, not, uh, you know, not the other elements that they've been banging on about. And yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be learned. We're not that smart. We're, we're making a bit of a mess of it, really. Going back to the bullying, now, no names and, and, and no locations, but uh, what sort of bullying are, are we talking about? All right, well, um, some of the cases, I'll, I'll sort of think about some of our cases we've looked at without giving you, uh, giving away details. Um, but some well, of it's just that we appreciate some of these, you know, might go further and we don't want to jeopardise anything. But if yeah. you're able to talk about cases, feel free. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I can tell you one simple case uh, in my patch where a, a very experienced group captain was standing up for, for volunteers, but told by a staff member, if you don't like the way the service is going, you should leave. Uh, he, he actually did leave, which, uh, which was a bit sad. Uh, we have cases where um, people have um, been... Uh, well, basically, the three cases I'm thinking of, starting with that one where that fellow was asked to leave, they've all been cases associated with someone standing up against the system because they don't agree and 
if a volunteer tends to do that, they get pushed out. Yep. Uh, that's and, a lot of the... And rightly so, because systems are devised over years of um, hard grind, aren't they? A system is there because it's necessary to make sure the whole operation is going to be, um, um, well, as positive as possible. I know it's but, difficult to tell with bushfire. They, they can flare in any direction and, um, and what have you, but uh, there has to be systems in place. There does have to be systems in place, but sometimes um, there's a lack of um, listening to locals. Uh, there's a lack of that local knowledge. And, I mean, most... Uh, reviews post uh, large fire reviews and um, inquiries will mention the fact that there was a loss of local knowledge so uh, but everything's run out of Sydney this certainly supports what you say uh, when we have to consider well look, you know, probably it's time to get that rural fire service headquarters out of Sydney um, and if it ever becomes a single fire service that doesn't matter it can just be the rural directorate then Yes, yeah. And the urban component can be the urban directorate of a single fire service around the same batch. It doesn't really matter which way you go. But the concept of uh, being more in touch with those locals will help to avoid some of these problems where, where the locals are just pushed aside and in frustration they leave, or if they dig their heels in, it becomes a bit of a battle. And that's what when it generally is labelled bullying because, uh, you know... Um, there'll end up being a bit of a divide. Uh, there'll be those that go with maybe the, the staff member in this case, in one of the cases I'm thinking of, and others will... So there might be a little bit of a divide within the brigade, and instead of it being nipped in the bud and managed early, in the bud and managed early, um, these things get out of control. Uh, we're seeing horrendous cases where um, uh, people are, uh, are basically pushed around by the system um, yeah, it's, we've got a plethora of these cases. I've got a whole file of them. Some are still ongoing, and, and we've uh, we've actually uh, hooked a few people up with the media, the news media, to to tell their story. So um, we're hoping that some of those will come to light in the near future. Yeah. Now let's move to a totally positive aspect, if we can, Mick, uh, because you always need um, people, you always need new recruits. Is it still something you recommend? And from what age group do you recommend people approach their, their um, local unit and um, uh, start to get involved? Uh, look, my recommendation is um, the Rural Fire Service, if we're talking about the Rural Fire Service, yeah. is... Is a, is a great organisation and uh, it's only um, it's only as good as its volunteers. Um, and uh, so anyone who wants to join a, a group, I would encourage them to do so. Um, there have been a few stories where um, someone might uh, feel they don't fit in, but one good thing about the Rural Fire Service, you can always... Um, you know, depending on how close your next brigade is, you can find a brigade with a group feel that you you sort of click with and uh, and get involved. But I've found with um, most brigades, uh, the people are um, uh, are all uh, you know have good uh, a good way about them, and, and and I would highly recommend it. I enjoy my volunteer service. Um, you know, I've come from being a full time firefighter, full circle, back to uh, being a volunteer, and I, I love it. I like the I like the um, group of people I'm associated with that's, uh, you know, I go down there and, and get involved in everything from checking the trucks to 
responding to uh, the odd fire. I'm not in a busy station. Yeah. Uh, quite the opposite, a very quiet station. It suits me just fine, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you all need to be physically fit, don't you, and, and mentally alert. Oh, well, um, you certainly, uh, it's good to be uh, of reasonable fitness, but let me say um, there are plenty of um, uh, older members who still... Uh, you know, oh, right. yeah, because old, they, they, they've always right. stayed fit, but Mick, like you, they, they, they've always stayed fit. <laughs> they're, they're okay. Is, is there a difference, and if so, what, between the Volunteer Firefighters Association and the uh, Rural Firefighters Association? What, what's, what's the... Is there a, a, a difference yeah, there, is, there? there is a difference. Um, our association was set up uh, to... Um, to represent just volunteers, um, that's the big difference between the two associations. Mm -hmm. uh, the Rural Fire Service Association was uh, sort of set up in the Copenberg days, and um, uh, it was, um, you know, and they've done some wonderful things, and there's lots of great people associated with that with that group. Uh, we have a few uh, things that we're not happy about with the way they conduct business. Uh, their fundraising is one example. Uh, how they run their raffles. Uh, we've challenged them on that and we'll continue to do so. We'd like to see them spend a bit more money on volunteers because they're sitting on many millions of dollars. Um, but uh, we um, uh, we are um, volunteer only. We, we do allow people to become a supporting member, but they don't get a vote. Mm -hmm. So they can't influence our direction in terms of how we represent volunteers. We, we're not a union as such, but we see ourselves of having a bit of a union-type role, yeah. whereas the other association probably doesn't do that quite so much. Now, just very briefly, because unfortunately we're going to run out of time, uh, where does the inquiry go from here, or where would you like to see the inquiry go? Well, I've asked the Premier um, whether she would like to. I've sent an email to her asking whether she would like to uh, have a chat uh, to me. Mm -hmm. uh, especially with an election coming up, I think it would be wise for her to... Uh, well, even not just elections. She, she's a, a pretty good woman who gets out and mixes with uh, the whole uh, gamut of people. She's not just locked up in, in Sydney. She does get out to rural and regional areas and uh, other parts of the state, doesn't she? Mm, absolutely. So I'll, um, uh, I'd like that opportunity to um, have, a, have a chat to her. And uh, certainly, um, you know, we've had a few little run-ins with politicians over the years and... Uh, mm -hmm. um, I've uh, I've actually thrown my hat in the ring uh, in the next election. Uh, All right. Association with the Shooters, Fishers, and Farmers Party. Well, you you know that they'll be voting the last Saturday in March of next year. That's it. Yep. So I'm uh, I'm certainly running as a as a candidate on the Monero, but um, but I'm here with my VFFA hat on now, so I won't talk politics. But I will say um, that uh, uh, we will be uh, taking this to the government, and we'll be asking them to look seriously at it. At the end of the day, um, you know, regardless of where you sit in, in the political world, uh, we're in it for, you know, for the benefit of our communities and, uh, and we need to make sure that we uh, get the best outcomes for uh, everyone there, the volunteers and ultimately the people that they serve. Yeah, well said. And uh, to you and all of your volunteers, and whether it's uh, the volunteer firefighters, the rural fire service, uh, anybody who puts their... Uh, life on the line for the community we can't thank you enough I thank you for your time tonight uh, Mick and no doubt we'll keep in touch over this issue as it goes forward and uh, hopefully the Premier's office gets back and is able to pencil in a meeting time and date for you Yeah that'd be good, look thank you very much for your time uh, 
talking to us. It's great to air these things um, uh, in the public and uh, feel free to contact us if you'd like us to talk to you again. Terrific, mate. Have a good night. Uh, Mick Holton there. He is the uh, president of the um, Volunteer Firefighters Association. They do a good job, but there you are, the report talking about bullying, and that's what we don't need out there in the ranks.